Victoria, you recently traveled to uh, Poland with a group of Christians from the United States, and you were concerned about the Ukrainian refugees. What did you find when you got there? When we originally got to the border, we saw that um, despite hearing from America that a lot of people were coming into Poland, we found that a lot of people were actually going back into Ukraine. Um, And when we actually got to talk to a lot of people, we found that a lot of the refugees were kind of coming and going in and out of Ukraine just in hopes of kind of returning to their homes or even just returning to their homeland. Uh, we saw a lot of refugees that that were just kind of hopeful that they would be able to return home with everything and just kind of stay with their families and not have to start a new life in another country. But yeah, that's some of a little bit of what we saw there. So the uh, the future, of course, wasn't and still isn't known exactly. So some people did plan on going back when they could. Did did they tell you about any of the experiences that they had uh, while in Ukraine and and how hard it was to get out or not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we heard a lot of. I personally talked to a lot of people coming out of the city of Kharkiv, um, and a lot of them were. When they left, their homes were bombed. Um, they kind of left not knowing what would happen to their homes. They kind of left in a hurry. I can make recall for one instance, there was a family, um, They their apartment, the windows were completely bombed out because the bomb had dropped right near the building. They kind of left with whatever they had, and they were fleeing for their lives. They They had no guarantee of safety. They had no guarantee that they would make it safely to Poland. Um, a lot of the families, when they left, it was just kind of up in the air what would happen if they would be able to get there safely. Um, I do know that there was one woman that we had talked to who had actually come out of Abucha. And uh, the story, I mean, she told was just insanely sad. She lived in the basement of her own house for weeks. And when they had left, they were kind of scared that they were going to be under fire from the Russians, um, Russian soldiers. So a lot of these families, they kind of, they just left as quickly as they could. They had no time to even think or comprehend. They'd be left with whatever they had, pets, clothes, minimal uh, money, and they just left. Were you surprised at how many there were? Yes. I definitely was very shocked of how many refugees. I know the refugee center that we were at in Warsaw, uh, there are two big refugee centers in Warsaw. One has 3,000, one has 5,000. I'm still not to to this day sure which one we were at, but it was from either 3,000 or 5,000 people. And it's just kind of crazy to see how many mothers and uh, children there are and then also elderly and it's just incredibly sad just to see everybody so displaced from their homes and not knowing what to do or how to kind of feel about the whole situation. Um, but uh, another thing that also surprised me extremely was the amount of people also going back into Ukraine. When we were at the train station, a lot of people were going back into Kiev and back into Odessa, and they were either going to meet family or just kind of to go back and stay there un- until they were forced out. So there still was a danger zone. Absolutely, yeah. There was still a danger zone. Uh, a lot of the people they knew the risk of going back, knowing that you know that 
there could be missiles that would fly near their homes or know that they were at the risk of being bombed, but it didn't stop them. They they had family there. They wanted to go visit their family, which was very crazy. I, I definitely, that was one of the things I think shocked me the most was I thought if it was so unsafe, why would they go back? But they still did. So family apparently means a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, I know that in, in our culture, family is something that is a constant in our lives. And I definitely saw that reflected within all the Ukrainians. I mean, so many people, like in the train station, they were going back to meet up with their husbands or they were going back to meet with kids. Uh, I know one mother I talked to, she was coming from the Zinyetsk region and her son was hiding in um, in their apartment still since he was 27 and he knew that if he left the apartment he'd either be shot or captured and her daughter was uh, is in Germany in an orphanage since she was too young to be on her own and her husband was in Lviv so it's obviously a family so displaced in multiple parts of Europe and yet they still even had you know a, a group chat together and just keeping up to date and it's just if anything meant the most, it was family to the Ukrainians. How were you able to to comfort and encourage them? Uh, honestly, my approach to this was just to meet them where they were. I I can never, like I said in the article, I could never begin to to even try to understand what they went through or to understand their the terror and the fear that they had in them, but. I also know that in times like these, sometimes it's just, it's nice to talk to somebody. It's nice to just get everything out and just be able to be heard and, you know, try to be understood. And so whenever I talk to somebody, I just let them, I just let them talk. And a lot of time I found that I was silent because they had so much on their hearts. They had so much in their souls just to say and just somebody maybe just to cry with or somebody just to sit there and pray and give them encouragement. And I just found that most of the time I was either praying or I was just listening. That was the most of what I did. Was there a language issue? Were you able to communicate okay back and forth? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I grew up, my parents, uh, my mom is Ukrainian, my dad is Belarusian. So I kind of grew up speaking Russian. But definitely uh, growing up in America and going to American school, my Russian maybe was not as strong as it could have been or should have been. But I found that um, despite having maybe more of, um, you know, being more comfortable with speaking English, I was able to communicate very well. I mean, certain words maybe I might not have been able to say, but I was able to kind of round about my way around explaining myself. And I found that People understood and I understood them. So not too much of a language barrier, but it could have been better. Before you took off, you know, what was in your heart? Why, why did you want to go over there? Being Ukrainian and seeing just the injustice that was happening, it just broke my heart. I I mean, I it's, my heart still isn't settled, knowing everything that is going on and just knowing all these innocent people that, you know, one day they're living just their normal lives and the next day everything that they know and they're familiar with is just taken away. And it just, it, it was hard 
to just kind of stay home and just see everything, you know, on Instagram or see everything on the news and just hear about it all. And just wanting to be there and help in any type of way was just something that I know was on my family's heart and definitely on my heart as well. And, and so when we were presented with this opportunity to be able to go, it was just kind of a no brainer. We just said, we think that God just kind of put this opportunity to us and, no fear, no really anything. We were just, we were ready to go. We packed ourselves and we went. I was reading in an article that you sensed that one thing seemed to be very universal in particular to the refugees you met, that they all seemed to have a form of hope. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so why this stood out to me the most is because I know that on you know here in America, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hurt towards what's going on. And it's entirely understandable. Uh, you know, I also you know am hurt about everything that is happening and has happened. But when you actually speak to Ukrainian refugees, it's not like they have determined that this is it. There is just no way moving forward. So many of them, so many of them are just so hopeful to um, to go back, to go back to their homes, to go back to Ukraine and just hopeful that what is right will be right and it'll just happen that way. And a lot of them had hope, you know, they were, a lot of them were Orthodox, but they did have hope that God would, would you know, show his way through all of this, that they'd be able to go back and just continue to live their lives. And it was just just such a lack of anger towards the situation. It was just, you know, it was just more of like they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't understand why it was happening. But they knew that there was something bigger, there was something that's still attainable in this world, which was, I think, so inspiring for me to hear and to see. I mean, it inspired all of us when we, and humbled us when we heard them speak about this. Do you sense that among a lot of the Ukrainian refugees that this experience has deepened their faith and their trust in God? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that in a time like this, it's hard to, I mean, it's not like you can cling to material things. It's not like you can cling to, I mean, sadly, even people. At this point, you have to cling to somebody that is stable, that is always there, and that's God. God is always there, and a lot of them were showing me how, telling me that they were praying, that they, you know, hadn't been in church, but they have been praying every single day. Especially that one mother from um, Donetsk, she told me that she's been praying nonstop. It's just that's something I heard continuously. You know, even if they were, you know, of a different, um, you know, denomination, they, the one thing was just, was just constant. They were continued to pray in God, and that never wavered. That never stopped for them, because they knew that God wouldn't fail them. Now, you live in the Baltimore area. I understand that your church is very active in helping the Ukrainian people. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So my church is of um, of Slavic descent, so a lot of the um, first generation that came to this church, they were coming from the former Soviet Union. So my church was very much founded with immigrants. And um, myself, we, you know, my youth group were the first generation uh, here or even 
some were born in Ukraine or um, in other Slavic countries. So we are obviously, you know, we are very true to our culture. We love our culture. And, um, and so when everything happened, there was, it was just, you know, and we didn't think about it. We had to do something. We had to help. So we opened up a fund and, you know, a lot of us, a lot of our members have been in contact with family on the ground in Ukraine or even in Poland. We do have some Polish ties as well. And we have been collecting money and sending it there. Um, And also we are saving some of that money in order to help facilitate when refugees do come to America so we're able to support them so they can establish life here in America. So we obviously are trying to do as, as much as we can. Uh, we are just trying to, you know, reach out to our people and, you know, do as much as we can overseas. It's a big project. If, Uh, yeah, if you had 10 minutes where you could sit down and have a face-to-face with Vladimir Putin, what would you say to him? Oh, that's a a good question. (laughs) Uh, what would I say to uh, Putin? I, I mean, I, I am angry. I am hurt. I'm so upset with what he is doing. I would just tell him that that whatever this world has to offer, it's not, it's not worth it. It's you know, whatever, whatever land you gain, whatever you think you have accomplished it's not worth it if you're not living a life that is in, in accordance to the bible and in accordance to what god has wanted us to do on this earth and you know whatever his motives are it's it's not worth what he is all the violence that he is ensuing all this all this killing and all the lives that are being lost it's just not it's not worth what he wants and I don't know. I I don't know if it's possible to reason with him. Just tell him to to stop. It's just I don't. I would just want him to understand the lives that he is destroying. Just Ukraine in general. Just all the destroying that he is doing, and you know maybe to help him understand and touch the humanity in him and the morality. All right. Looking toward the future, um, since it's still kind of uncertain as to what is going to happen and when and where this mm-hmm. will end, I guess you, you're pretty committed to, uh, to keeping up and, and continuing to help. What, what future plans are you thinking about? So I would absolutely love to return to Poland or even into Ukraine. But uh, given I am putting graduate school um, next week, it would be hard for me. To do so, but my plans are to continue to help. Uh, I have family in Western Ukraine who have established an organization that help people that come through Western Ukraine from other parts of Ukraine. So helping support them with anything that they need, uh, you know, opening GoFundMe's, sharing these GoFundMe's, and just trying to get them what they need as well. And also trying to facilitate. We know some people in Poland that are also kind of going into Ukraine, you know, delivering supplies. So helping them with anything that they need, like um, funding-wise. And um, just helping, I know that my family personally wants to return back into Poland and help at refugee centers, so just helping facilitate that as well. So definitely just trying to do as like, what I can 
in terms of uh, funding and just organizing here in America for those who are um, on land um, in Ukraine and Poland. Right. Victoria, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. Yes, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really, I'm really glad that I was able to share my experience that um, we did in Poland.